partisanship. Partisanship is the nothing personal word of the day. I'm not talking politics. I am talking State of the Union. State of the Union was last night. Watching that while paying attention to the huge trade in baseball. And all I kept thinking about is I'm watching Democrats and Republicans. I'm watching half the people stand, half the people sit. I'm watching speeches being torn up. I'm watching people being honored. And all I keep wondering is, is this really helpful? Is the lack of bipartisanship. That word means prejudice in favor of a particular cause. Bias. By definition, when you are partisan, you have bias and show bias. The State of the Union is literally supposed to be the state of our union. And whether you are in a positive state or a negative state, I promise you there's nothing positive about watching two sides of the aisle argue the way they do. What I felt for myself and for everybody is that we're internalizing how we feel about our situation. If we know somebody who's died in a war, that's our issue. If we know somebody who's got cancer, that's our issue. If we know somebody who's lost their house or their job, that's our issue. What the State of the Union was supposed to do, bring people together. I don't like the fighting. We can do better. Let's be better. Yeah, could everyone just keep talking about the bets trade? And here's the perspective that I'd like you all to take. I would like every Boston Red Sox fan to stand up and scream at the top of your lungs as though you're starring in the movie Network that this trade was the end of the world as you know it. Like the song by R.E.M. Four championships since 2004 is what the Red Sox have given you. Find me another franchise in baseball. The Giants... Three. Yankees haven't won since 2000. Marlins haven't won since 2003. Dodgers, 1988. Don't talk to me about playoff appearances. They don't really interest me. Jewelry interests me. The Red Sox fans everywhere, every article I've read today is saying the same thing. It is outrageous that anyone could trade an MVP. Done it. It's outrageous that anyone would trade the second best player in baseball. I'd say I probably done that too. Why did the Red Sox trade Mookie Betts? And why is it that you all should have known that this was happening from the minute J.D. Martinez opted into his contract? John Henry is your owner. I've never sat here in front of you watching on CBS Sports HQ or listening downloading and subscribing. I've never said anything other than decoding the truth. John Henry said it. He said the words, we need to get under the luxury tax threshold of $208 million. Then there was a press conference that we broke down on this very show when they fired Alex Cora and said in a set of emails with their local paper as part of the whole scandal. By the way, that's not a mandate. We're not mandating we stay under the threshold. We are merely saying that we want, to, we want to be competitive over the next five years. And I told you, don't listen to that. Of course it's a mandate. Then their new chief baseball officer, Chaim Bloom, stands up and looks at all of you Red Sox fans and says, we want to be competitive. We are here to win. I've never been told where I have to be, what my payroll needs to be, that I need to be under a threshold. And we told you that wasn't true either. And lo and behold, the day came last night during the State of the Union. We got a separate state of the nation, state of the Red Sox nation. And it was not positive at all. 
I'm not sure that anyone had any paper, and I'm not sure whether you took the time to rip up your paper. What I am sure is that you're asking the wrong question. So let's answer it right now for you. Why is it that the Red Sox would trade Mookie Betts? Very simple. When you've got a player, every player is what's known as a DA, a declining asset. No matter what we think about baseball or sports or any sport, the way as a person in the front office looks at his players or her players, they are assets of the company. As assets get older, like your car, like your house, sometimes there's something called depreciation. Let's just call it declining. Mookie Betts was going to be a free agent at the end of the 2020 season. In baseball, when a player is a free agent, you have two choices. You either can overpay to keep him before he negotiates with other teams or hope that he's not lying to you when he tells you what his offer is from other teams and match the number that he wants anyway and then keep your player. And then you're not better the next year. You're just paying a player more to have the same player back. You don't get a revenue bump by signing your own free agent. I've done it, and I promise you, you don't. It's almost like an expectation. But that's because you're a fan. Or for people in the media who just want to write negativity to stir you up, to stir the pot. They tried to get Mookie Betts back, the Red Sox did. But they also knew that was not the number one mandate. The number one and only mandate of this offseason was to get a payroll below $208 million. Forget the fact that they had a bad sign in Nathan Avaldi. Forget the fact that David Price ended up being with that record contract. I know you got a ring, which makes it a good signing. But overall, as I look at it today, was not a positive signing at $215 million. So you've got to find a way to move money. Mookie Betts, one year, $27 million. When you're putting a team together and looking at your payroll, you look at different ways that you can get below the threshold. One, can we trade David Price? If they could get below the threshold by getting someone else to pay $27 million, let's say, of David Price's $32 million deal, he gets paid 32 a year for the next three years on average. That would have been good. Of course, they couldn't find a team to do that. Then you say to yourself, what will we have to do to get someone to take David Price? Do we have any minor leaguers? Do we have any very overperforming young players who don't make a lot of money who we could attach to David Price to get a team to take David Price? No, we don't have that. Ah, what about if we give someone Mookie Betts? We know we only have a year of control with him, which means he's only going to be on our team for a year. Then we can save $27 million of Betts' deal Trade David Price as well. Get below the threshold. Is there anyone out there who would consider doing that deal? This is what the front office of the Red Sox has been doing. While they've been interviewing managers and having press conferences, they're making these calls. They're sending texts to other GMs and presidents of baseball ops. They're trying to identify the universe of teams who could possibly be in a position to take money off the Red Sox hands. They found two. Dodgers and Padres. The San Diego Padres said to the Boston Red Sox, we'll be happy to take Mookie Betts off your hand. We don't want David Price. But by the way, we have our own guy who we signed to a deal that was celebrated during an off-season press conference. Everyone was super excited. And now he stinks and we can't get rid of him. His name is Will Myers. You have to take Will Myers back. The Dodgers said, okay, hold that thought. 
Then they go shopping around. The Red Sox contact the Dodgers. The Dodgers are in a position because of where they were with their payroll that they could take on Mookie Betts and they could take on a percentage of David Price. The reason why this trade kept getting delayed is there was a negotiation going on between the Red Sox and the Dodgers over how much exactly of David Price would be paid while the Dodgers were figuring out what they had to do to stay under the luxury tax threshold while acquiring Price and acquiring bets. That's the reason they went out and they shot Maeda to the Twins and did that part of the trade and Jock Peterson over to the Angels because this was all about the Dodgers also staying below the threshold. So then the media and the fans continue to go crazy in Boston and say, why would you want to stay under the threshold? What's the purpose of that? You're rich. Your team is worth billions of dollars. You own Liverpool. You own Fenway Sports Group. You have a yacht and a bus and a mansion. Everything's perfect in your life. Explain to me as a fan or a writer what gives you the right to spend other people's money. Where does it say in the book of fandom that you have the right to tell an owner how big a check that owner needs to write? I would prefer you to say to the owner of the Red Sox, and the fact that I'm defending the owners of the Red Sox as a small market team president for 18 years against a behemoth like Boston and L.A. whose every move they make is to keep me down in Miami, keep the low-revenue teams down, not give them revenue sharing, not let them be competitive. The anger that the Red Sox have that the Rays beat them, you have no idea what goes on at owners' meetings when the owners of the Rays walk in and they know that with their payroll, they're beating the big market teams like the Red Sox in a particular season. Of course, the Red Sox owners wear all their rings, so you know who's boss there. What right do you have to tell a large market owner as a fan that you know exactly what the finances are and that no matter what, they ought to be competing year in and year out for a World Series? That is not realistic, which is why you're a fan, which is why you're in the media, which is why I'm in the media. I'm not running a team anymore. 18 years, they said enough. I said enough. I'm going to do nothing personal. I'm going to spend time with CBS Sports HQ loving every minute of it. Because I know very well that there are windows of opportunities to win. And it's not every year. If it were every year, then every team would make the playoffs every year. But really good president of baseball operations, really good baseball people in general, know exactly where their team is. They're not delusional at all the way fans and media can be. Mookie Betts on the Red Sox and David Price on the Red Sox, they are not making the playoffs in 2020. It's heresy. People are going crazy. I hear it happening. Of course they were. With that team, with David Price in the rotation, with your best pitcher, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Chris Sale's going to be just fine, even though he has a hard time lifting his arm. There's no way that's a better team than the Yankees. Likely not better than the Rays. Not better than the Astros, trash cans or not. Coming off a World Series win in 2018, which the Red Sox did, they had great players, a great, successful postseason, and their fourth ring. This was not their moment. Therefore, getting under the luxury tax threshold for a reset. A reset means that the second you're under it, you go back to being the team as though you've never violated it before. But when you're a repeat offender, let me put this in terms of any felons out there watching me. 
You remember the whole three strikes and you're out, not just in baseball? Well, pretend you have two strikes and you commit a crime and you end up in jail for 20 years. That's the three strikes and you're out, sometimes for life. Imagine if you had two strikes, but then you stayed really positive and clean for a few months and you got to go back to zero strikes. Yes, that's what the Red Sox get to do. They had two strikes. They get to go down to zero. It makes perfect sense. Dodgers. Dodger fans writing, this is what you do when you have not won a World Series since 1988. This is what you do when you've got a team that lost two World Series in a row and didn't quite make it back last year, losing a heartbreaker series in the playoffs last October. You bring in Mookie Betts. Guess what? That wasn't the Dodgers' plan. The Dodgers actually haven't signed a free agent for more than $55 million since Andrew Friedman joined as their president of baseball operations. Yesterday, they did sign a free agent. They signed a three-year, $48 million deal with a pitcher named David Price. 48 is less than 55. You're correct. Good job using the abacus. 48 is still less than 55. David Price is a free agent. 48, 24. No, that's not a deal I would ever do. Ever. There is no team in baseball who would sign David Price right now to a $48 million three-year deal. It makes no sense. $16 million average annual value for a pitcher with his performance, with his injury, declining velocity in his age, that's an overpay. Why would the Dodgers overpay the free agent David Price in order to get Mookie Betts and then have to trade Maeda and then trade Peterson and trade Verdugo? Alex Verdugo, remember him? He played a little last year. Great player. One of the top prospects. He's going to play every day in Boston. You'll get to know him. He'll be there in the outfield. Why would they do it? Because the Dodgers can, and their window is open, and it's still open now. There is no one in the National League short of maybe Diamondbacks, maybe. Braves, love them. Love them. Nationals, fine. There is no one in the National League who can approach the Dodgers in the regular season. What they're hoping for is that Mookie Betts in the postseason, top of that lineup, can be enough to overcome their lack of pitching because they couldn't get the pitching. Do you think they didn't try to sign Cole? Of course they did, but they knew better. They're not going to overpay the way the Yankees did. Now, we are not even talking about the Yankees today. We're not talking about the fact that right now the Yankees are the number one odds-on favorite to win the World Series. We're not talking about the fact that they're the odds-on number one, obviously, to win the pennant. We're not talking about the fact that they're the number one, of course, to win the AL East. I went backwards on purpose because Yankee fans don't care about winning the division or winning the pennant. They want to win the whole thing. From the Dodgers' standpoint, their fan base and their owners and where they are financially right now, their view is we've stayed under the luxury tax threshold. We have brought in a player who, even if we only have for one year in Mookie Betts, gives us a chance to take the extra step and win the World Series. What they're not thinking about right now, but they will come October, they need more pitch, pitching. I just started wheezing at the thought of it because all these teams are trying to mash themselves to a ring. All of a sudden, we're watching Super Bowls where our offenses are winning. It used to be defense wins championships, and now all the gurus are saying, no, I think it's offense. Great offense can win. People are trying that in baseball. The Twins are trying to match with the best lineup. 
They're trying to compete with the Yankees and the Astros by having the best lineup and a bunch of mediocre pitchers other than Barrios. That's why they traded for Maeda, just to give them depth in their rotation. The Dodgers made a strong part of their team stronger. Their lineup wasn't the issue. David Price in their rotation slots in below Bueller, their number one. Below Clayton Kershaw, their number two. Above Alex Wood, above Julio Urias, probably. But does that mean that one, two, three punch is enough to win a four out of seven series in the World Series? It's a straight wait to see. I understand why Dodger fans are so happy because it feels really good going into spring training. I got to go back to the Red Sox because someone just said something to me in my ear. It was really a voice in my head because it was in my non-earplug ear. Someone said, hey, you know, the Red Sox are in a position where uh, if they don't get it done this year, they're going to have all sorts of payroll flexibility. And with that flexibility, are they then going to spend in order to start winning in 21? The answer is the Boston Red Sox are not rebuilding. They're not going through a three-year process right now where they lose 100 games over three years. What they're doing is a retooling. Retooling is completely different than rebuilding. Don't confuse it for what the Astros, Cubs, Marlins, and other teams have done. That's not what the Red Sox are doing. Okay, now the Los Angeles Angels were a part of this, a very tiny part. They're, so Artie Moreno is the owner of the Angels, and I, I like Artie, but he likes attention. Artie doesn't like that the Dodgers get all the attention in L.A. That's why he changed his name to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. He wants to be the Los Angeles. He's as jealous of the Dodgers as Fred Wilpon is of the Yankees. They brought in Jock Peterson. They put him in their lineup in the outfield with Justin Upton and Mike Trout. And the thought is, why not trade for Jock Peterson, pay him 7 or $8 million, one year, because then he's a free agent. He's a platoon player, but we can have him, and that gives us a chance to be even better and get Mike Trout to play in October. Oh, my God, Artie Moreno, you must love the Dodgers because you bailed him out. The Dodgers had to move Peterson to stay under the threshold, and you let him do it. Now, you're going to say, hey, we got Ross Stripling, too. Well, for those of you listening, downloading, or watching on the queue, yeah, Ross Stripling is not an October pitcher. And Artie knows that. Epler, who's the GM, knows that. And Andrew Friedman in Los Angeles, Dodgers, knows that too. That's a trade meant simply to help the Dodgers. The Angels are doing it again, making a strong part of their team stronger. Rendon is in their lineup brand new. Still have Pujols, who's a negative player now, because he's just old and ineffective. Obviously, Mike Trout. Then you add Peterson. It's fine. It's fine. It's not enough to guarantee October by any stretch. So this complicated deal has been very emotional for people, and I want to take the emotion out of it. So I conclude simply by telling you this. When your team makes a trade, keep in mind, sometimes it's not for the season that you are currently looking at. Their job is to keep a team going over a period of years and decades. And when you look back on two decades of your team, and you see zero titles, then I'd like you to stand up and get angry. When you look back on two decades of loving your team, and you see four titles, you sit back down, and you just say thank you. Ah, the Mets are not saying thank you, that's for sure. I love the Mets. The Mets give us stuff to talk about every single day, and they're doing it again right now. Um, so here's what happened. Let me give you the backstory of the New York Mets and explain to you uh, 
exactly what's going on and why the back page of the New York Post today was absolutely fantastic. I was talking in the uh, with Chris Hassel today, one of the uh, best anchors. He's one of the top five anchors right here we have in Florida, CBS Sports HQ. Always in my top five. And we were talking about people in the New York Post and what they do, how they come up with these amazing headlines, double entendres, play on words. And the New York Post talked about the Mets and the sale, the possible sale of the Mets, something we covered in great detail here on Nothing Personal. I've actually had a lot of people write in and ask me about this. This is not the So You Want to Talk to Samson topic today, but people wanted to know, what's the big deal that the Mets deal to sell is going to fall through? Why does that matter? So I'm going to explain. Again, a few months ago, word leaked out from Steve Cohn, who is a multi-billionaire hedge fund operator, almost not a convicted felon. It's like the movie Stripes when they say in their interviewing to go into the army. Have you ever been convicted of a felony? And the answer Harold Ramis and Bill Murray give as they look on the camera. Convicted? No. That always made me laugh. Steve Cohen, I do not believe, has ever been convicted of a felony. He would answer it exactly like Harold Ramis. Rest in peace, Harold. So Steve Cohn is a billionaire who says, I'm going to buy the rest of the New York Mets. I already own a minority share. He calls up the Wilpons and says, listen, I want control. I want to be the majority partner. The Wilpons say, fine, we're going to sell it to you for two and a half, $2.6 billion. On top of that, we're going to run the team for five more years. Five more years, we get to control the team. And then you'll write us a check. Mets fans lost their minds. They stood up and screamed. They were so happy. The Wilpons are the reason we have no ring since 1986. If you listen to the beginning of my show, of our show, and retention numbers tell me you have, what we said is when you have won zero titles since 1986, you have the right to stand up and say, what is going on with my team? I demand better. So people stood up and said, when the Wilpons sell, that will cure all our problems. We will be in a position to no longer make bad decisions. The owners will not be of the meddling type. Sometimes the devil you know is way better than the devil you don't. You have no idea what Steve Cohn is going to be like as an owner. You have no idea how involved in meddling he'll be. But then yesterday news came out that the deal for Steve Cohn to buy the Mets was on life support, was the quote. And the Mets, the only reason this was a story, is the bumbling Mets. I, Fred, I love you, Fred, but come on. I quote, the parties, there, there's no context to this. This is a statement released by the Mets. No context. The parties are subject to confidentiality obligations, including a mutual non-disclosure agreement, and therefore cannot comment. <laughs> okay, let me put that into French. Les personnes qui parlent de cette chose qui ne peuvent pas discuter cette partager parce que il n'y a pas de choses que je peux dire. What I'm trying to say in Hebrew a neo heavily shown. All right, all right. What it really means is 
they're bringing up something that they have no reason to talk about. They signed a non-disclosure agreement. That means you cannot talk badly about somebody. You cannot discuss a deal or a situation. I'm the owner of the Mets. I tell Steve Cohn exactly what I'm going to discuss. I'm not entering into a non-disclosure agreement. You know when you do? When you're selling something and there's something you definitely want to make sure doesn't get brought up. Then you get specific. For example, Steve Cohn. When you buy the Mets, you are not allowed to say how meddlesome the Wilpons were. Steve Cohn demands of the Wilpons. When I buy the Mets, you, the Wilpons, are not allowed to say what a pain in the neck I was as a minority partner. Those are fine. But to not be allowed to comment on something like this, when you actually bring it up in the first place to try to address a rumor that your deal is falling apart, Fred Wilpon, here's the better way to do it. Take the microphone. Don't do a statement. Do an interview with someone. Find your favorite leak writer at the New York Post, New York Times, anybody, and say, listen, we had a deal in place to sell to Steve Cohn. As you know, a lot of things can happen during the course of negotiating a deal. We have come to a point in the negotiations where we're not sure whether or not this deal can be completed. We will always do what's in the best interest of ourselves because we're the owners of the Mets. But part of that is we want the value of the team to keep growing. And part of that is we need fans to love us, pay attention to us. And to do that, we need to win. And we are going to continue to work hard to win, whether this deal to Steve Cohn works out or it doesn't. Gnug, enough. That's all you need. Instead, the Mets do a statement that makes them the laughingstock. They don't need to keep being the laughingstock. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425, right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Okay. So you want to talk to Samson. I appreciate people who are downloading, subscribing, following me on Twitter, David P. Samson. Thank you for that. Tell your friends, tell them to get on Apple and subscribe and rate or wherever you download your podcast. And then ask me a question. I had a very interesting question come in on So You Want to Talk to Samson. Hint. There's no P in the middle of the M and the S. It's only after the D and before the S. Think about it. You'll 
Get through it. Get through it. You'll get it. You'll get it. Here was the question. Someone asked, what are your thoughts on the Pando pool? So at first I thought, wow, I have some thoughts on the Pando pool. I'm not so sure they are necessarily relevant to the Nothing Personal show. And then I realized I was talking about a totally different pool that I like. The Pando pool is a company that is very interesting. So I wanted to explain it to you. It's a business pool that, uh, let me let me put it in non-baseball terms. Let's say that you're in school and you're with five people in a calculus class in math. And the five of you get together and you say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to take the test separately. And then we're going to pool our scores. And then all of us are going to get the average score, which means if there's five 90s, we all get 90. But if there's three 90s and two 80s, then we're all going to get 87. So by pooling our scores together, we're all going to be together. Hmm. I would say to myself, what are the chances I get the 90 versus what are the chances I get the 80? If I thought it were more likely that I'd get an 80, I'd be more likely to pull my money in order to take advantage of the person who I thought was going to get the 90. Well, here's what the Pando pool is. It's for baseball players. Baseball players all get together and you join a pool. And the pool says that once you've made it through arbitration, which means once you've been in the big leagues more than three years, every dollar you make in baseball after arbitration, after you make arbitration, gets put into a pool, 10% of it. That 10% is put in a pool and that pool is split amongst everybody who's in the pool. You know what I think about that? It's completely ridiculous. Here's why. The way it's explained on their site, Pando Pool, is that if you've got someone making $32 million in their career, someone making $8 million in their career, and someone not making anything into arbitration, you put all the money together, you only put in 10%, 10% of 30 is 3 10% of 8 is 0.8, right? You put it all in, by the way, so just do the math, 3.8, you divide it by 3. I'm just giving you sort of general numbers. That's around $1.3 million. So there's people who are making money who if they were going to make zero, they're making a million dollars extra. If they were going to make 1.3, they're making the same, but the player who really made it big is actually losing a couple of million dollars. The way these pools work is that those who make it give money to those who don't. Is that a smart way to spread your risk in sports? It's a very interesting concept. Do you believe that you want to bet on yourself that you are going to make it big, which does not happen a lot in sports? All the rich players you think you know about, the majority of them have to go out and get jobs when they're done with their career. But if you just are a fringe player where you're not sure you'll ever get a long-term deal, maybe you join the pool. What would I tell my player? Well, I had a player. Andrew Heaney is his name. Yes, the same Andrew Heaney who's being counted on to get Mike Trout into October. Andrew Heaney did something similar but slightly different, and I want to tell you what that was because this is a far more compelling argument. 
Andrew Heaney took an upfront payment on his future earnings. He didn't pool with anyone. He took a payment of $3.5 million upfront in order to guarantee that no matter what, he would have $3.5 million. This is before he made any money. So he got an upfront payment of $3.5 million. Picture you live in Oklahoma. Picture $3.5 million where you don't know anybody who even has a million dollars. You don't spend $20,000 a month. You don't travel on private planes and hang out with J-Lo. You live on a farm. You have a very chill life. If you had $3 million, you know very well that your wife and your kids and grandkids, you were set because you know you could invest it at even 5% and all of a sudden you have $150,000 a year tax-free as a salary every year my whole life? For Andrew Heaney, it was a brilliant move. Andrew Heaney's now made $8 million in his career. He's had a ton of injuries. So he's given up some of his upside because he took 3.4 up front in order to then give away a percentage of whatever he makes for the rest of his life in baseball. He got criticized by current day players within the clubhouse who didn't understand his own union, didn't understand why he would enter into this deal. And then they crunched the numbers and realized that in the world of baseball, even with guaranteed contracts, the number of players who have the opportunity to make in the millions and millions of dollars is really de minimis over the percentage of players who become professional. And professional means minor league or two. So Pando Pool, giving away your future earnings percentage the way Heaney did, not pooling with other players. Pando Pool is with other players. The question is, when is it enough for you? What is your risk tolerance? What is your ability to earn money outside of baseball? What's your family situation? It's like any investment you make. It's different depending on what your individual circumstance is. You can't ask me to, to answer what my view is of Pando Pool as a general concept. I'll tell you about it. I can only answer it specifically when you ask me about a particular player. The only way to evaluate something like that is individually. Thanks for the question. So you want to talk to Samson. So you did. That's the answer. All right, we're going to create some controversy here, and I'm tired of it. I'm not tired of it. I love doing it. I love making lists. Yesterday, we were. Uh, I was thinking about football. It was the day after the Super Bowl. May, no, maybe it's two days now. I can't even remember. Super Bowl was this past weekend. I'm still thinking about football. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're wondering, why is the blind side above his left shoulder, right shoulder, left shoulder? Can't tell. It's totally backwards in my monitor. I'm giving you the top five football movies of all time. I talked about it in the studio here at HQ, and I got hissed. People couldn't believe it. Where's the program? Where's Remember the Titans? And I said, where's North Dallas 40? Where's Friday Night Lights? Now I'll give you my top five. I told them, make your own top five. The geniuses in row four over there listed eight movies they put in their top five. It's hard to make lists. You actually have to think. Blindside, number five. It's a great movie. It's a true story. It actually happened. Well acted, and she won an Oscar. That makes it a winner. Number four. Four is a movie that, uh, you know, you could say that Al Pacino went a little over the top, but Any Given Sunday is a quality movie from a production standpoint, from a football standpoint. It is, uh, it's considered a straight football movie. I found it um, intense is the word. It's my number four all-time football movie. Number three, I don't think any of you saw, but you should. It's Annette Benning's husband. Yes, Warren Beatty. 
Warren Beatty made a movie in the 70s called Heaven Can Wait. I wanted to choose either that or North Dallas 40 into my top five, but Heaven Can Wait's just a better movie. It's about a football player, and I'm not going to tell you anymore. It's aged well. I checked it out recently. Even younger people can watch Heaven Can Wait and appreciate its greatness. Heaven Can Wait is my number three all-time football movie. Number two. To me, it's a, a pretty obvious choice. It's Rudy because I cried. I cried. How do you not? Who is offsides, Coca? Coca's just yelling at me. Stop. I love him as a producer. Right, so the way producers work, they're supposed to be additive to your show. And I do give Coca a lot of grief because I want him to be additive. I want him to be helpful to me. I'm going through my top five here, and I hear in my left ear a random sense. So, by the way, we're 35 minutes into the show today. He hasn't said a word to me in 35 minutes. I don't even know whether he's asleep or if he's even in there with the director. I just know that he just yelled he was offside. What's the relevance of that? Rudy's the number two football movie. If you watch that and don't cry, and don't think about Lord of the Rings. Is it Lord, not Lord of the Rings? Yes. Do, is, is that what he, Sean Austin was in? Lord of the Rings? Don't think of Lord of the Rings. Think of Toy Soldiers. Toy Soldiers is better than Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's not really. Rudy's better than all of them. Actually, Sean Astin, for me, 50 First Dates. He's the one who took steroids. He was the brother of Drew Barrymore in 50 First Dates. How do I sound, Coca? Current? All right, number one. Yes, yes. Show me the money. That's not why it's number one. You complete me. That's not why it's number one. Overall, Jerry Maguire is one of the top. It's in my top 100. You'll find out where it is soon. One of these bonus podcasts at the end of a month. Jerry Maguire, I will consider a football movie. It is about an agent and his main player is a football player. There is some footage of the Arizona Cardinals. There's some negotiation with agents and front offices. And there's unbelievably perfect dialogue. Jerry Maguire, if it's not your top football movie, you haven't seen it. This is back when Renee Zellweger was going to win her second Oscar here on Sunday night, February 9th, for her role in Judy. There's a spoiler alert. I'm giving you my Oscar pick. You're going to get those by the end of this week. Judy's going to win Best Actress with Renee, who's in Jerry Maguire. If you've never seen it, see it. Cuba Gooding Jr. won an Oscar sort of before he lost his mind and kept getting arrested for assault. The fact is, in that movie, he won Best Supporting Actor and gave one of the great acceptance speeches of all time except he played his character in that acceptance speech. Sort of interesting. Jerry Maguire, number one football movie. Okay. Mark D'Antonio. Who's that? Who's Mark D'Antonio? Anyone listening? Anyone listening to this show knows who Mark D'Antonio is? I hope you don't. Or maybe you do. He's the football coach for the last 13 years, one of the top college football coaches at a school called Michigan State, the school where Magic Johnson went to college, the school that's in the Big Ten with my Badgers, the school whose nickname is the Spartans, the school that I've loved to hate my entire life because I'm a Badger through and through, to the core, always, go Rodney Dangerfield. Yesterday, we got some big news. The entire CBS Sports HQ studio was in a buzz. We went to breaking news. People are running around. They're shuffling papers. They're Googling. They're trying to do full screens and write down some cute things about Mark D'Antonio because he decided to resign after 13 years leading the Michigan State Spartans football team. 
This is when it gets dicey for me personally. Except this isn't personal. The show is called Nothing Personal. Mark D'Antonio said to all of us, I am resigning right now, right now, today, because I want to spend more time with my family. Ladies and gentlemen, the top five excuses that people give for their retirement. Let's play the feud. To spend time with my family. Ding, ding, ding. 68 out of 100 people said the same thing. That's your number one answer. Guess what? It's never true. This is not me being cynical. This is me being pragmatic. This is not a reflection of me, my family. This has nothing to do with my personal life in any way. This is me doing the show for you. Telling you that when I see things that aren't real, I'm going to decode them for you. I'm going to give you the truth without cynicism, with total pragmatism. Mark D'Antonio is under investigation. He is under investigation for recruiting violations, a distraction to his team, bringing an assistant coach on a recruiting visit that he never should have done, never was allowed to do. There are NCAA violations alleged against him right now, right now, current. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just out of nowhere, with a year left, wait a minute, hold on. I'm getting something. I'm getting something in my right ear, my naked right ear. Oh, that's what it is. Wait, it is his family. Yes, I'm, I'm hearing from the kids and the wife and the parents and the cousins. Oh, January 15th of 2020, he got a $4.3 million bonus. That's a $4.3 million bonus as a legacy bonus because he had stayed as coach for a period of time through his contract. It was a bulk bonus payment. All he had to do was stay till January 15th. Boom, the check clears. On February, the whatever today is, the 5th, all of a sudden he resigns because on January 19th, 14th, When did he get the bonus, Coca? The 15th? On January 14th, he did not want to spend more time with his family. But on February 5th, he certainly did. Come on. Give me a break. Pick of the day. I'm tired of picks of the day. I can't stand losing. I'm two games under. The Spurs stink. I'm sorry. They just do. Grizzlies plus five over Mavericks versus Mavericks. Grizzlies are getting five over Mavericks. I haven't been three under this entire, oh yeah, I have. I think I started the year like 0 and 5. The reason I'm actually taking the points versus the Mavericks, eventually they've got to lose a game without Luka. Eventually. I think they will. All right, we're going to do a wait to see, and it's going to take a bit of time because this is a juicy one. It's so juicy. It's great. Did you see the news today? First of all, Two way to seize that came true, you're welcome, that Mookie Betts would definitely get traded and that the Red Sox would trade him once they did not announce on Monday of this week that they weren't going to trade him. That sounds like a steal that I'm cheating you by taking two way to seize. That's what Coca thinks, but he's wrong. Those two way to seize have both hit. Pete Rose today did something. Pete Rose, what a sad case. Pete Rose is the greatest hitter maybe of all time, in terms of hits. He's the hit king, as you know, if you've ever seen him sign a ball in Vegas. He has also been out of baseball since 1989. Banned for life for gambling. 
Not just that. That's the difference. People think Pete Rose has been banned simply for betting on baseball for life. Not true. The way we talked about it inside our industry is that we banned him because the fact is we would never think about reinstating him because he lied so much about it. He never would acknowledge. He never was willing to actually just do a mea culpa. Yes, I am guilty of gambling on the on baseball when I was manager. I bet on my team, not against it. I shouldn't have done it. Instead, he was combative. He continued to stick with his story. We've heard of athletes who stick to their hammock stories. See another episode. You've heard it if you're loyal. If you're new to the show, go back. Listen for the hammock story. You'll laugh, I promise. Wouldn't it be awesome if I could tell you which episode it was? I can't. I just know it's one of the previous 68 episodes. Pete Rose filed today for reinstatement into baseball because he wants to be eligible for the Hall of Fame. And I say do it. Let's get Pete Rose eligible for the Hall of Fame. And here's how to do it, Commissioner Manford. I'm giving you a suggestion. And it's something I've spoken to you about before. Let's reinstate him. Let's make him eligible and then suspend him for 20 years. Because if you're eligible but on the suspended list, that means that you can be put on the ballot to be considered for the Hall of Fame. The only rule and where you cannot be eligible to be on the Hall of Fame is if you're on the ineligible list, like Shoeless Joe Jackson, like Pete Rose. He is ineligible to be considered for the Baseball Hall of Fame. I want to know what the writers would do with Pete Rose. I want to know where the writers stand when it comes to gambling versus PEDs versus sign stealing. I want to know where writers come when it comes to a player who has the most hits, who is undoubtedly, undoubtedly a Hall of Fame player. It's not even a question that on the field Pete Rose deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. We are letting writers off the hook and I want to see their votes. And we can do it in a very easy way. All you have to do is you reinstate him. You suspend him for what he's done, and then he can never be on a baseball team. He can never work for a baseball team. He can never be a manager. He's 78. Let's not wait for him to be dead. Let's let him watch him politic the writers. Let's see what an induction speech would be like if the writers vote him in. It's okay to do this. It's not anything against Bart Giamatti, who's a hero of mine, former president of Yale, commissioner, the one who actually suspended and made Pete Rose ineligible. Bud Sela kept it that way because Bart Giamatti had the big one right after he did it to Pete Rose and died. Rob Manford is doing for Bud Selig what Selig did for Giamatti. I've got another suggestion for you, Rob. Let's just see. Because then we can all, like, stare right at Pete Rose. And we can say to him, from a Cooperstown standpoint, and from the Otis Saga, the hotel that gets the business during the July weekends, it's definitely just business, Pete. It's nothing personal. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot – 
Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.